the giant thinkers giant thinkers podcast hey guys welcome to the show i'm ram castillo and in this podcast i'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers creatives and giant thinkers Hello Giants, Ram here. This is episode number 75. I am so excited to introduce to you a creative thought leader who I've not only admired for the past decade, but he's someone I've learned a lot from in the space of living bravely and creating boldly. He's a designer, author, and teacher. His philosophy is to begin before you're ready. It's helped him work for global brands like Adobe, MailChimp, Time, Moet, and Shandon, and the city of New York. To him, braveness is the key to creativity, and we unpack a lot of that in this interview. His work has been exhibited twice at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and is represented in permanent museum collections worldwide, including the Louvre in Paris. Awards to his name include an Emmy, a gold and silver medal from the Art Directors Club, and a Grand Prix from the Brno Biennale. It's now his mission to teach people like you and I how to illuminate our individual gifts in order to find clarity and purpose. Some of the topics we spoke about include what to do when you're in a creative slump, ways to address any fears that hold you back, how to be your unapologetic self and the need for more people to push and challenge. So if you're in a creative block or are looking to amplify what you've already created, then this is for you as we uncover what it takes to live a creative and fulfilling life. A quick note before we begin, I'd love to invite you to connect with me on Instagram if we aren't connected already. I'm doubling down and putting extra effort into that uh, to give as much value as possible, in particular, answering every single comment and DM. So if you have a question or are feeling stuck and you think that I might help, I'd be honored to give my two cents and uh, happy to give that uh, and, and just to say g'day at the chat. I'm also committed to delivering some useful Instagram stories every day as well. So find me via my handle, the giant thinker as it's the fastest way to reach me. All right, let's kick off. I present to you the wildly creative, thought-provoking, and experimental James Victore. James Victore, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast. Mate, it's been it's been a long time coming. I've been wanting to tee this up for a long time. How are you doing? <laughs> Uh, beautiful man, Ram. I am awesome. Thank you. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, we've been uh, on each other's radars for a long time. I think so. I mean, like we we were both on Creative Live at the same sort of time frame, I believe, like within within a couple of months shy of each other. Uh, so we've got mutual friends in many people from Chase Jarvis to Debbie Millman um, and to a whole whole bunch of like rock star creatives. So we're going to dive into Yeah, your own uh, your own Australian uh, you know, Vince Frost too. Vince Frost. Vince Frost has been on the podcast episode 3 on this show and uh mentor of mine and and uh admired by many. But mate, this is about you today for this one. And uh we're going to dive straight in. So um first off, James, I have an icebreaker question for you. You bet. If you could rid the world of one thing, what would that one thing be? <laughs> I almost went political there. Um, uh, <laughs> doubt. Fantastic. Perfect, mate. I thought you were going to go down that route, given that <laughs> I've been diving into uh, into your into your book, and um, we're going to get into a bit of that. But uh, before we do, can you share to us? Um, you know, where, where you would say your expertise lies? Um, Ram, I am traditionally a, um, a graphic designer 
And I'm a fairly good graphic designer, meaning I can get my work into museums around the world. And I've had two shows at the Museum of Modern Art. Um, and lately, I've realized that I am a much better teacher. So a lot of my work right now is in is in that direction, held basically trying to help other people um, have a uh, an enjoyable creative career as I have. Brilliant, mate. And uh, you do have a certain style of teaching. I mean, where, where I mean, to, for context, can you tell us a little about your childhood, how you grew up, and how you arrived at where you are now? Blah. You know, <clears throat> I've thought about that a lot lately, and um, as far as being um, just innately creative. I mean, that's, that's the core of the core of who I am is, is creativity. Um, and I've realized that I was born to do this job. I was born to be James Victoria. Um, and all I had to do was pay attention to the signs along the way. But, and I think what I express in, 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 in my book is that it's really hard to pay attention to the signs along the way. You know, as it, when I was a kid, I was, I was referred to, or I was called uh, creative and I knew then it wasn't a compliment. You know, I understand how difficult it is just, you know, to be um, a creative person. And then when you grow up and you want to get paid for that creativity, you want to mix your creativity with, with commerce you know, it, it, it becomes, it becomes difficult. So my, my whole course has been trying to pay attention to that path. Um, and I think, you know, where I grew up and the, the, the people that raised me, um, played, a, you know, played a great part in it. I am, I am, I am who I am either because of, or in spite of, you know, my, my parents and my upbringing. You mentioned signs, uh, along the way, what kind of science do you think you could you know, my, my first memory, my very first visual memory is not a, it's not a video. It's just a, it's just a, a, a photograph and it's of, um, a pool of melted crayons on a, um, cement porch. And I asked my mom about that and she said, Oh, that was in New Mexico. So I was four years old. And that's my first memory is this beautiful melange of colors melted on the porch. And, you know, it's funny because my work tries to emulate that now, you know, um, color wise and, and ab being a, more of an abstract expressionist. Um, but the other side of that story is I didn't, you know, I was, I was amazed that my mom remembered that, but I didn't ask her what her reaction was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, parents don't dig that kind of stuff, you know, um, and also, um, when I was a child, you know, th th those are all the great stories, Ram, right? You know, when I was a kid. So when I was a kid, my mother would take me shopping and I was small enough. She'd go to, you know, go, go buy fabric or buy, go buy, you know, clothes. And I was small enough or short enough to, to walk under the, the racks of dresses and we'd leave the store. And in my hand, I would have collected, um, all these dress tags. Right. I'd just pull them off of pull them off the clothes and, you know, we'd leave the store and, you know, my mother would look down and she would go, oh, Jimmy, like it was a bad thing. Right. It was I was, you know, I was I was I was disrupting or stealing or I don't know what it was. Um, but to me, you know, I was doing I was starting my 10,000 hours. <laughs> I was curating. I was collecting. I was looking at shape and color. You know, um, probably even typography, even though I didn't know what typography or possibly even, you know, letters or words were at that point. But, um, you know, so I those are kind of the signs that, you know, when I was a kid um, and the just the the I've always been full of puns and wordplay and making up lyrics to songs. Um, and it's something that I, you know, that I share with my share with my 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 kids now, although I think they I think they call that dad jokes now. <laughs> Look, I, I, I definitely appreciate those um, childhood stories because um, I ask all my guests about their childhood uh, to give context on the journey. Uh, but you in particular, I, I couldn't find much about your childhood. And um, it, interestingly, there were a few of the Giant Thinkers listeners that said, oh, make sure you ask James about any sort of predispositions that... Uh, were showing or were, were clues to sort of being good at something, you know, what were the things that, that, uh, you found that you had, had a natural ability or a curiosity towards, um, 
anything that comes to mind, maybe, maybe in your teenage years. Yeah. No, well, uh, two things. One is, um, one is, uh, I've always been an illustrator. I draw on everything. I always have. I've drew, drew on my books and got in trouble in school. I drew on, you know, I drew on walls and I still do. I drew, you know, I draw on my, my, myself. I've got tattoos. Um, so that has always been, you know, the love of drawing has always been there. Um, the other part is that, um, I was raised, um, in a military family. So we moved, you know, from base to base and anybody, if there's a military brat out there, um, they understand that, um, the two things that I learn that you, one learns <laughs> growing up on a military base is one is good posture. So thank you, dad. Um, and two is uh, to question authority. <laughs> you know, I was, I was living on a military base during the Vietnam war and, you know, my father would bring home, you know, these anti-war posters and I had them in my room, you know, so he would, he would, he kind of would bring home, uh, posters from Spain and from Thailand and kind of introduce me to the world of, you know, graphic design. Uh, but at the same time, him being a more of a more of a, a war hawk than a, than a than a pacifist, it taught me um, irony. <laughs> it taught me um, that there are other opinions out in the world. Uh, uh, so yeah, questioning authority um, and being the third of three kids, you know, is is a big part of who I was and and who I am now. Kind of bucking the system. Fantastic, mate. One of your uh, well-known sayings uh, that appears in your book actually is "Do work that matters." What work matters to you, and why? These days, you know, actually, Rem. So I moved to New York when I was nineteen, and I moved to there to uh, to become a poster designer because I had been I'd been influenced by the you know the posters from the Olympics and. Um, um, I spent a lot of time in the reference department of the university library because my mother worked there and she would bring me, she knew I liked to draw. So she'd bring me books to look at. And what she brought me were, um, print and design annuals from, from the, the sixties and the seventies. Right. So I'm looking at like, you know, old Italian, um, designers like Armando Testa. And I'm looking at, uh, you know, the Andre Francois and these French designers and these Polish designers. So I had a understanding of posters. So I moved to New York to become a poster designer and I got involved and started as a, as a book jacket designer. One again, because of the reference to the library. Um, and also because the, um, I went there to go to the, to attend the school of visual arts, but they kind of asked me to leave. Um, and within three weeks of leaving, um, the, the school, I had put together a fake portfolio, uh, you know, a portfolio of obviously, you know, mocked up, uh, book covers. Um, and I started looking for work and got work immediately. Um, and I got into that probably about two or three years into that. And I realized that I was like, wait a minute, I came here to make posters. <laughs> and, um, I realized that there were no jobs to make posters. No one, nobody was getting paid to make posters. You know, there was one gig, uh, and it was the public theater. And at that, at that time it was, uh, Paul Davis making posters, not, you know, uh, I think Paula share has it now. Um, so I said, listen, I, you know, this is why I've come here. And serendipitously there was the, um, uh, 500th anniversary of Columbus's, uh, discovering the new world. And that gave me the opportunity to, you know, to do or take the opportunity, you know, freedom is something you take, um, to make comment, to choose to use my tools and, um, um, my, any wherewithal that I had to comment on what I thought was the hypocrisy of, you know, us celebrating Christopher Columbus due to his, due to the, uh, the extended legacy of genocide that continues today of the, you know, of the native Americans. So making work that matters has always kind of stemmed from that, you know, kind of looking around me and going, okay, I'm getting paid. You know, I'm like, I like, I bought my first motorcycle cash. I was wearing silk suits when I was like 23, you know, Mr. Mr. Big Shot, but I wasn't making comment and I wasn't, I was just kind of like making a living, which was, which is great and which is hard enough to begin with. But to me, it was kind of like not the really, not a powerful use of my tool or of my, of my craft. So making work that matters has always been kind of not anti-commercial because what I've been able to do is be able to, in, to, to introduce 
um, work that matters into the commercial uh, stream into most of the most of the clients who who hire me. And these days, making work that matters means trying to trying to influence other designers and help other designers get there so they can they can realize the power of their voice and realize that their creativity is 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 such a um, a strong and useful tool to help others. Yeah, I mean, your work is certainly part educational and, and, and in the dialogue that you allow people to step into is truly needed. Uh, but also the work that you do, I mean, the irony of it is like the commentary side is thought provoking and it, it's freeing for a lot of people, but you've also, you're also doing the thing that you're telling people that they should do in a way that's so against the norm you know the style the the graffiti-esque you know bastardization of typography uh overlaying over images that are ideas on top of ideas and layers of meaning um that's what i love about what you do yes you're teaching but you're doing it in such a unorthodox way that is only unorthodox because we're not used to it. We're, we're <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just because it's not, you know, it's not modernism. I mean, you know, exactly I mean, right. you know, modernism, modern, modernism is the thing. And, and, and I, I just don't, you know, I, I dig it, but it's like pasta without sauce, you know? So, uh, like I said, I'm much more influenced by, by, you know, Franz Klein or Robert Motherwell than, you know, than Massimo. <laughs> totally, totally get it. Um, and, and, um, there is humanity in those brushstrokes. There's, there's humanity in that crummy typography. Others can see themselves in that. You don't have, that doesn't happen with Massimo's work. You just kind of stand back and go, God damn, that's tight. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to make work that people go, oh, I can make that too. Cause I want that, you know, it's yeah. like, I want that people are people like people that go to the, go to the museums and they go like, my kid could make that. And I'm like, well, fucking let them. <laughs> let let them. <laughs> no, you know, and I. It, it's important that others can see themselves, you know, or see themselves reflected in the ideas or in the, uh, you know, the manner that you know that I put, you know, ink on paper. And so, what we're really talking about here is you've allowed a vehicle for people to participate in, um, and what you do for people a lot of the times is help them get out of some very deep creative slumps. Um, what would your advice be for those that are feeling that way now listening to this perhaps uh, to reclaim their creative powers? How can they rediscover their limitless creative potential? Yeah, again, you that was we're going back to your very first question and it, it's doubt. <laughs> remove all doubt. Um, um, you know, we just had a, uh, a workshop here on our ranch and we had 10 people come from uh, basically all around the world and they all come here searching different things, but they leave, um, with a renewed sense of why they were put on this planet. Right, they renewed energy in their creativity, um, a renewed sense of you know I, I can't tell them anything, but what I can do is I can remind people of of the power of their creativity, of um, the um, the capabilities they have to reach to to reach others and make real comment, you know, on 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 culture, on society. You know, on politics, even um, that is the 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 value of the the ideas that I like to talk about is that you know I want I feel sometimes like like the Moses of graphic design, right? Like like let my people free. Like I said, it goes back to like the idea that it's really difficult to be one just to be creative, and then you mix that with with you know working in an office or a corporate environment when you understand what you're capable of and then you look around and you don't see it anywhere i mean that's very frustrating and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of frustration in um, in 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 creatives um being feeling 
feeling unable to sing their song. And I think that's a shame. And I try to, you know, I want to help people. But, you know, the, but it comes back, you know, with the workshop situation, it comes back to this idea that, you know, we can't be better creatives. We can't be stronger creatives until we decide to become better people, to to become more introspective, to look back and go, oh, OK, yeah, I know, you know, I, I know what this tool is for now. Well, you mentioned workshops there. I mean, I was just about to ask you. How would someone on in, on a practical level, and and certainly not, um, certainly not looking for a uh, an overnight fix as such, but how would someone start to to break the pattern, or look, intra, in, you know, inwardly, uh, and and kind of remind themselves, as you said, remind themselves that they were always born creative, they were always born curious tapping into that in a world where they've been suppressed and told, sit behind a desk, put your hand up, tuck your shirt in. Yeah. But that also, that also, that also starts in grade school, doesn't it? Hmm. You know, it's like, you know, we sit in rank and file, you know, um, in alphabetical order. <laughs> um, you know, and I think it, it comes back to like, I think the first, the first lines of my book says, um, um, we were all born wildly creative and some of us just forgot. And, you know, and that's the thing It's just, you know, it's just that we've, we've forgotten because we've kind of accepted that, um, it, it, that it works a certain way, you know, is that we've accepted the status quo, you know, and it's a shame to see creatives have turned, have where their lives have turned into literally a cliche, you know, drive to a job that you hate. You know, um, and I've had so many people I work with who are creative directors at, you know, at, at, at fancy places, um, uh, who say, listen, I went, I, I was creative as a kid. I went to university for this. Um, um, I got a quote unquote creative job and now I've got the, you know, the 401k and the house and the kids, and we got a thing on a summer, you know, a summer house. And, you know, why do I drive home crying from work? <laughs> so the real goal is not, you know, it's not even creativity. The real goal is happy. You know, how can we just be happy? How can we, how can we somehow, you know, uh, you know, we have to serve somebody, you know, um, it might as well be ourselves. You know, how do we make ourselves happy first? Is it turning your turning your you know your side job into your into a you know into your gig? Is it uh, is it uh, you know um, um, printing on the weekends? I don't know. It depends on you know it depends on the person. Well, I, I was just about to sort of dive into the 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 ideas as to how that pattern could could be broken. Uh, I think um, it's so common what you just said. People go to their jobs, they do the same thing, and and they per perpetuate the sameness by being in the same environment, by taking the same route, by being around the same same people, thinking that I have to do this because I have a mortgage to pay and I've got bills and and all that. But what is the sidestep? How can people start to sort of unplug and reprogram this beast that they've created? <laughs> well, you know, they got to understand that they've created it. You know, they've got this level of consciousness. Um, um, and it's super hard, dude, it's super hard. And it's hard to do, it's really hard to do as an adult, you know? And if, and if you don't have a partner who is, who is, it was, you know, in it for adventure, that makes it even more difficult, you know? Um, but, you know, to understand some level of consciousness and say, listen, I made this thing. Um, you know, I can make something else that, you know, understand that we are wildly creative, that we need to learn to trust that voice. And that's, that's hard, but you know, trust is, is the lifeblood of my business. I can't work with a client if they don't, I can't do good work for a client if they don't trust me. Um, so, you know, we learn to learn to, um, trust ourselves, learn, understand that, you know, it's going to take time like everything else you know today everybody wants everything now and that's super frustrating um but you know you have to kind of take stock of 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 where you can where you can uh jump in i mean even me at the point i'm in i'm doing that all the time i'm kind of kind of standing back and looking at what i do and say okay how can i how can i get paid for my creativity 
You know, what are, what are the, what are the, um, the avenues that I have not tried and that would be quite frankly, just fun for me to do, you know, cause if it's not fun, then, you know, don't do it. If you're just doing it for money, then, you know, you know, don't quit your day job. Yeah. We're, t- we're totally on the same page, uh, James. It's funny because <sighs> anyway, how I did it was I just started doing it. Like, well, that's the jump in, you know, it's like, it's like, how do you get into a pool? <laughs> yeah. How many people here jump? <laughs> how many people are toe, ankle, toe? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. The, the, the number one question that, that I personally get when I speak at design colleges and, and design schools and whatnot is um, after I do the talk, do a Q&A and, and I always get asked, so how did you, how did you write your first book? And I'm like, I wrote every single day and then it became a book. Like, like just showing up to the thing, same with the podcasting, we're up to 70 plus episodes now in, in coming up to four years. And, uh, I knew nothing about and uh, sound engineering or audio engineering or anything. I had no, I bought more equipment than I needed. I, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny what I, what I generally, when I work with people, I generally advise, I, you know, I say, listen, it, you know, it's going to take some disruption. It's going to take some, you know, some movement in your life. Um, and my best advice is, um, is set your clock for five o'clock in the morning because there's so much time between five and seven. You know, I have a I have a guy who um, who I was working with um, um, uh, it through through one of my through one of my programs. I was working with him, and you know, super smart guy, super talented. Worked for himself, but he couldn't. He just couldn't. He couldn't poop it out. He couldn't figure out. He wanted to be a screenwriter his whole life, but he wasn't a, being a screenwriter. So I said, dude, his name is uh, uh, Bruno. I said, dude, Bruno, five o'clock. Five o'clock every morning. He's like, oh man, really? And Ram, literally, month and a half later, we're skyping, and he holds up a big ream of paper. I said, what's that? He says, this is my screenplay. I got up five o'clock every morning, and I went outside and sat and wrote. And I'm like, you're awesome, because that's what I have to do. I've got two two little kids. My day starts at you know four thirty, sometimes a little bit earlier, because if you start at four thirty, by the time coffee's done, cooking, and then you're ready to sit down, it's five o'clock. You know, it's like, you know, um, you got to understand that, you know, you're going to have to make some sacrifices and accept, you know, and like, like you did accept the cost, accept the cost of making these changes. And, you know, yes, jumping in is, 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 is the best way fearlessly without doubt, you know, trusting that vision. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, when, when I get asked in Q and A's, um, um, I say, listen, um, I would be lying to say it's that my way is easy. You know, this is hard. This is hard. And you have to understand that. But it's joyful. It's a good struggle. It's, you know, it's what it's the best work of your life. You're working on you. I mean, what else is there? You, uh, you, you sent me your book, which I hugely appreciate. And in it, there was, a. Uh, a little section here and if you don't mind me reading it out it's totally tied into all this and it just says in bold begin before you're ready yeah and a little uh written paragraph here says because nobody is ever ready you'll always feel uncertain about what you're doing or what the final outcome will be you just have to start waiting until you're ready is a form of self-sabotage a good excuse to quit while you're behind experience <laughs> is great and practice has its place, but boldness makes way for action. The best time to start is now. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Just decide. Just decide. Just decide. And you know what? Even if you have a partner that's, you know, kind of not as adventurous as you are or or there are people at work who doubt you, who would that's that's the first the first the first fear that you will feel will come from your family and your friends. That's the funny part. But people follow conviction. Be convicted. Believe in it. People follow conviction. You say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And this is where it's going to go. This is going to be awesome. People are like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> you know, people, people follow conviction. Absolutely love this now because this is leading into five uh, of your sayings that you've, you've created. 
beautiful illustrations and 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 uh, and like really raw artworks too. Uh, the first is have a damn opinion. Freaking love <laughs> love that. All tied into your your um, point here, just on on conviction. So why do you think people have such a hard time of having a damn opinion? You know, having uh, an opinion and putting it out in the world means you have to commit to that opinion. You know, it's like I learned I learned when I was a when I was a teaching university, I taught at the School of Visual Arts for you know twenty or something years. And I realized that people wouldn't raise their hand to answer a question because they were afraid of either one saying something stupid or two saying something smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, when you, when you put an opinion out in the world, you are, that's a, that's a conviction. That's a commitment. We, we call and, it you know, tall, we, tall poppy syndrome. Do you have that in the States? No, that's that? good. Tall that's poppy good. syndrome. Yeah. Where they cut you down if you, if you stand, <laughs> if you stand out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, I, you know, I, I that it's something that you have to risk. It's something that you have to risk and you have to understand that you are not for everybody. You're not for everybody. It's not going to work like that. Just because you have now have an opinion doesn't mean everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel, yeah, totally, totally. I love it, love it, love it. No, you know, it's like we're not for everybody. We're just for the sexy people. What's that saying? Um, if if you didn't want to be criticized, I'm totally bastardizing this quote, but it's something like if you didn't want to be criticized, uh, then uh, say nothing, do nothing and be nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Which stuff. is, you know what? Listen, that's fine for some. It's fine for some. You know, I know my book is not for everybody. So I sent, I sent my book to, uh, you know, a number of friends and, um, one of whom called me and he said, listen, James, I bought, I bought, uh, you know, 15 copies for my students cause they have, they're doing a class on, um, having a voice. So they're reading your book. And he said, and you sent me your book. And he says, and I have to admit that I didn't read it. And I said to him, I said, well, because you were scared. And he said, because I was scared. Because, you know, I mean, I'm, I draw a hard line. You know, I tell, I tell small lies to illustrate larger truths. You know, and a lot of people will look at this book or even just look at the introduction and go, yeah, I don't think I really want to be that self-reflexive. I don't really want to, I don't, at this point in my career, you know, I'm not happy, but I'd rather just kind of coast in my pain than, <laughs> than, than face it, you know, what and was make he, he or she scared about your friend? It was going to, this book was going to ask him difficult questions about, you know, about his career, about what he's been, what he's been doing and with the direction of his, of, of his work. Far out, eh? No, I, I, I totally, you know, listen, Rem, when I was sitting out on my porch at five o'clock in the morning writing this thing, oh, dude, the number of critics that were jumping around in my head, <laughs> people are like, you know, I'm, I'm writing and, and there are people in my head going, really, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to say that out loud. Really? In a book? You're going to put that in a book? Really? <laughs> oh my gosh. I can only imagine. And you know, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, if you're not divulging anything, you know, I think it's like, I think Marcel Duchamp said, it. I think, you know, a number of artists said, you know, any art that does not divulge something of its, of its author is bullshit, you know? So I have to put myself in that situation. I have to, you know, tell these, tell these, put myself into an, into a uncomfortable position in, in order to in order to kind of find the truth for me and then that will speak truth to others yeah i love what you said then about uh what did you call it small lies or something that's an exact yeah small lies to you know to, i do i tell small lies to illustrate larger truths i mean i learned that when i was you know when i was when i was teaching you know what's one that comes to comes to mind oh you know um I think, I think, I don't know if there's one that comes to mind, but I think, you know, it, it, for example, you know, complaining is not conversation, which is just a, just a spread in the book. It's not explained. It just says complaining is not conversation. I think, I think, you know, complaining has its place. And, you know, I, you know, whenever somebody says, you know, Hey James, how's it going? I say, well, I don't like to, I don't, I don't want to complain. I just like to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that, I think, you know, that's a lie is like complaining is, is often conversation, but it's to, it's to get you to understand that most conversations begin with 
complaining. So true. How tired you are, how hungover you are, you know, how, <laughs> so how difficult, how difficult your life is. Oh gosh. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> you, you hear it now. Oh mate. The amount of like unnecessary gossip and noise in the world. And it, you know, and it just points to us not paying attention to our lives. You know, it's like uh, it's like uh, if you if you brag about how much time you spend at work, it shows a it shows a supreme lack of um, of of uh, your commitment to yourself. Mm. And I have friends like that. I keep I keep a second shirt and a jacket at work. I'm like, well, then you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry. Wait, mate. Sorry, everybody out there. Debbie Millman said it so well. Busy is a decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and here's the other thing, Ram, is that a lot of the decisions that people make are unconscious. They make decisions based on what other people are doing or what other people have done or what they think other people want. You know, our fear of what others think is 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 crippling. It's amazing. I mean, that's, you know, I did a, I did a filmed version of the book. Um, um, it's called how to affect perfection. Um, and in it, you know, we start talking about creativity or the fear chapter. And I say, listen, isn't it crazy that we cannot have a conversation about creativity unless we have a conversation about fear? Because it implies that you also, or whether it requires you to be vulnerable yeah, and you know, real creativity isn't mimicking what others have done before. It isn't. It isn't looking over other shoulders and finding you know suitable trends. You know, like oh, beards are in and flannel shirts are in. Let's put those together. You know, um, real creativity is 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 innovation. Real creativity is you know is dangerous, and it's on you know it's something we have not seen before. Yeah, and it implies also that you. And, and uh, I believe Brene Brown has said this, um, innovation requires trial and error and failure. So if you do not have an appetite for failure, then you cannot at all be innovative. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 failure is, 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 is uh, steak and potatoes to me. <laughs> I, I, my next book should be about everything, every, all my failures because, you know, I mean, just put it out there. And, you know, and exercise those demons, of course. And that builds the tolerance that we're talking about here that uh, removes you from the norm. That That is the uh, the monotony of the BS that we're told. So this kind of ties into everything as well. One of your sayings is, uh, and, I, and I'm not sure if you mentioned this earlier, but very popular. The, the things that made you weird as a kid makes you great tomorrow. What is it that we can do to to as as adults get us back into making and playing and experimenting like what is it that can bring us back to our weirdness as a kid where like what we were saying over the last point just trying stuff like just like why is it that the need to please others or to have some facade for others or an opinion of 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 uh, others thinking that we want that you know that we're this type of person why why does that and and i'm guilty of this too you know i'm, I'm not going to say that i'm not like why does that override the 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 humility of just mixing shit up and just yeah yeah well you know that that mixing shit up exposing yourself too. it's exposing you know it's 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 taking a chance that it's gonna not work out um you know it was funny just yesterday you know people ask me in, in you know in, in these situations they say well when did you last have you know you seem pretty confident when did you last have fear and i'm like i'm like oh an hour ago <laughs> like oh my god you know it was like funny it was yesterday yesterday i was um, um uh, my wife had bought these tempera paints and took this big cardboard thing that we had made out into the uh, out into the lawn for the my two little kids to paint and they were just, you know, I mean, there was paint all over and paint on them and paint on us and paint on the ground. And, sh- you know, my one, my almost two year old was like just pouring it on my other kid. And and I realized I realized my ego, <laughs> my sense of security, <laughs> my prudishness was so challenged in that 
Like it was so hard for me to let go. I'm like, this is classic feck perfection. This is classic Jesus not being perfect. And damn, it's, it's, you know, come on, it's, you know, $10 of paint and it's on the grass. Who cares? But whoo, it was such a challenge. It was crazy because it's like, we have to let certain things go. You know, we have to, if you, you know, if you've never, if you've never like, for example, baked bread, I would say go and bake bread. Go because you got to get your hands dirty and it's a mess and it's going to it's going to not work out. I'll tell you right now <laughs> if you haven't done it before, you know, um, you know, we've got to challenge ourselves to 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 really play. You know, it's funny because I say the things that made you weird as a kid and, you know, a lot of people take that the wrong way. But some people write to me and they're like, oh, my God, when I was a kid, she this one gal just recently said she used to make highly detailed menus of what her mom was making for dinner. And I'm like, that is genius. <laughs> that is so awesome. I have a, I have a friend who has, um, who's, um, uh, as one of the, one of the, he owns one of the restaurants in San Francisco that you cannot get into. And he was, a uh, basically a childhood friend of mine. And, um, he's, he's, uh, wildly gay and really wonderful and wildly creative. And his mom always tells this story. She says, when, 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 um, when Gary was in the, uh, was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, when Gary was a kid, she said, I woke up one morning and, and there was all this noise coming from the kitchen. So she goes into the kitchen and, and he's in there. He's, he's naked, except he's wearing her apron. And he's pulling out all the pots and he says, he says, mommy, I'm going to make a cake. And his mother says, at that moment, I knew two things about Gary, (laughs) 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 which was amazing. It was like, Mm -hmm. and all he had to do was follow that. He just had to follow that dream and just be that person unfucking apologetically. Just be that person. I mean, you know, one person who who was a huge influence on me, and it just just you know just makes me drool was Prince. How Prince? How could you do that? How could you do? How could you change your name twice and the second time was a fucking symbol? Like that is amazing. <laughs> and everybody was like, "Well, who does he think he is?" Now he's fucking Prince. <laughs> That's who he is. <laughs> it reminds me of. Um of something that you said I watched a talk of yours about having giving yourself permission and you were just telling the audience to just give yourself permission and this is what all of this is about oh it's um, huge it's huge right um and even the thought of making bread and you were saying that you know you're going to make a mess I can already hear some voices ticking in people's heads going ah oh, fuck that it's going to be way too messy I've got to clean that shit up <laughs> Yeah, you know oh, no, I mean? you'll make them, yeah, you'll ruin the kitchen. Yeah, but yes, we g- g- giving ourselves permission is amazing. We we have a ceremony when we do workshops here on the ranch. We have a ceremony that um, that gives people permission <clears throat> and says, "Listen, you no longer have to ask for permission to you know because we 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 don't have these ceremonies in our lives historically. Tribes and human beings, you know, male and female, had these." had these uh, ceremonies they went through and that said, you are now an adult. You are now a man and we're going to treat you as such and you don't have to go out asking anymore, right? Um, and, but we don't have these in our lives anymore. Like a bat mitzvah, a bar mitzvah is kind of like that, right? Or going hunting with your dad is kind of like that. Um, but we don't have these in our lives anymore. And creatively, we're always looking for permission. We're always looking for not only permission, we're looking for precedent, we want to see what we're making. We want to see that it existed already. And that's that's just lunacy. <laughs> or or it's not lunacy. It's 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 um professional craving. It's like you you this is better work. This is better work cuz I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of what yeah, just like you said something in there about um about uh seeing if it's already been done before. Um it reminds me of that saying around uh, the the electric light wasn't created by uh, trying to improve the candle. <laughs> you just just you just have to make something totally different without having validation of of history. Um, yeah, no, it's crazy. We you know we at our best you know. Um, um, 
and I think, you know, when you did your pod, started your podcast or probably start yeah, and start and started your book, you know, the first one at our best, we get paid to make shit up. And that's, you know, electric light bulb is that, you know, NASCAR is that, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 the space program, the space program, Apollo started because because, you know, John F. Kennedy said, hey, let's do that. And everybody said, oh, OK, 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 <laughs> we're going to the moon, I guess. <laughs> and then we just made it up. Exactly right. So, look, this has got to do with something that you said earlier, and it's also another famous line of yours, which is freedom is something you take. How can we how can we take that freedom, James? Oh, man, with so many things that we talked about already, like the, uh, the you can't ask for permission. And, you know, most of the time when we're afraid to take a little bit of freedom in our work, like early on in my career, I learned this. I, I was working in a, in a tiny little studio and I was just making book jackets and there was just three of us. And um, one of the other people in the studio said, hey, James, whenever when you show work, you know, to a client, are you ever afraid that they're not going to accept it? And I thought. What an odd question. Every fucking time. Every time. Because if I'm not if I'm not challenging myself creatively or I'm not challenging my client, then what am I doing? I'm just placating. You know, I'm like wearing knee pads for a living. You know, um, we the, the asking permission is, you know, is 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 one idea of that. But also, like, we have to understand that, you know, taking a little bit of freedom in our lives does not is not going to lead to our 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 financial doom and our spouses leaving us and, uh, you know, and 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 death. It's just it's it's a practice. It's a it's it's a habit that we have to form um, where we just try to take and take a little bit at a time. And what you will find out is that no one's going to say no. <laughs> That's the funny thing. You know, I have a client recent. I had a client situation recently where where they questioned me on on um, on this work and. Um, I came back to him and I said, listen, if, you know, I told him what I told you. I said, listen, if I'm not challenging myself creatively and I'm not pushing you, then I'm not doing my job. And they wrote back and said, James, thank you for pushing us because nobody else does. And I realized, oh, my God, the clients are just as afraid as we are. <laughs> Bosses are just afraid of we as we are. That's why they keep things at a status quo because it's, you know, oh, the ship's moving forward. It's moving. OK, is it still moving forward? Yeah, it's moving forward. OK, <laughs> you know, don't rock the boat, baby. <laughs> Man, that's gold because I was going to ask you around this similar subject around when you're faced with clients who – either love your ideas or maybe a bit reluctant uh, at first to f fully buy in to them. Um, but at the end of the day, whether they love it or they don't, but they just don't commit to executing on those ideas. Um, maybe they've got low risk tolerance. How do you convince them or encourage them to be brave? Uh, I don't. There are some inst instances when I can say, listen, I understand your goal here, but I also see past you and I see there's an audience out there and here's what this audience needs and wants. You know, they need to be entertained. They need to be um, enlightened. They need to be, uh, uh, you know, surprised and delighted. Um, so that's one way to do it. And the other the other way is is to is to fire the client because they're obviously not yours. You know what I mean? It's like it's like we're not you cannot be so desperate because that's another habit that you form. Right. Is that you're so desperate that you will you will you will dance whatever dance the client tells you to. You know, I I, can, I can't stand to see, you know, when I see uh, designers work on like Instagram or something and and I don't see a personality in it. I see them jumping from from style to form to style to this to that to that. And I'm like, well, what, wait, what do you do? Besides kind of placate you, everything you do, you change for every you're like a chameleon. You change for every client, you know, instead of having an opinion. Um, you know, that's another level of, you know, not taking that, that freedom or not trusting that your vision and your opinion are worthy and have value. I mean, that's something I learned early on. I was very lucky that I realized that my opinion has value and, and people are interested in it and, and it, it might sound arrogant and I don't freaking care. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a level of self-knowledge that is, is very powerful. And it's something that I just assume.
It's just something I assume. I assume, you know, you know, and I'm 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 as riddled with doubt and fear as as the next guy. But when I'm working and I, you know, when I'm trying to follow through with something, I'm just gonna like I'm just like, okay, this is a little bit awesome, but it's gonna be great. You know, I feel like I feel like the the Joker in the very first Batman. You know, after he's fallen into the vat of acid, the next time you see him, he's, you know, he he spins around in the chair and he's got this horrible grin on his face and he says, "Wait till they get a load of me." You know, <laughs> I, that's what I feel like all the time. I'm like, "Oh man, this is crazy." I think they're gonna hate it, but uh, let's do it anyway. <laughs> right, that's and enjoyable. I, yeah, and I, and I know I that if they kill it, if they kill it, you know, they're they're not killing me. They're just saying, "Hey, this is." A little bit pushy. Can you give us another shot? And then it's up to me to choose to to you know give it another shot or not. But, but you know this is what we all need. We need more of this. We need more people that that push. And like, when did we become such? You know, like just okay is good enough. Yeah. Well, we work in we work in an industry. We work in an industry. It's okay. I mean, it's it's it. You know, it makes sense. It you know, it makes complete sense. You know, if 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 you're if you know if you're looking at you know the 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 dollar figures, it makes perfect sense. If you're looking at the you know the creativity standards, it doesn't make sense. If you're looking at you know uh, real human beings who are who who are frustrated, um, you know, then it then it doesn't make sense. So one thing you are always leading to uh, the call to action is always in that word action um you've said before action beats worry action beats fear action beats too much thinking um here's a good action you've said learn to say no <laughs> yeah yeah how, how do we how do you say no creatively <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, the answer to everything is creativity. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, I, so I'm a fight guy. I'm like, uh, I've studied a bunch of different, you know, martial arts and things. And, um, and you don't want to fight a creative fighter. You want to fight somebody who just comes in and you know what he's going to do, right? Creativity is always the answer. So, you know, if you want to say no, you have to learn to say no creatively. Um, um, what is it that old, oh, there was an old piece of lettering done by Herb Luballen and he had, he had, he had decorated this, this line that said basically, um, uh, diplomacy is telling someone to go to hell and they enjoy the ride or something like that. You know, they enjoy the journey. That's kind of an interesting idea. Um, but again, it's like, it's how do you, you know, how do you do these things creatively? How do you say no creatively? Or how do you ask for more creatively? You know, whenever any, any, any job, commercial job comes into my studio, the first, the first thing I fire back is, you know, asking for more money and I try to find a way to do it creatively. So useful. Um, all right, mate, we're going to start to wind down now cause I'm conscious that, uh, dude, I could talk to you all day. This is super, mate. This is good. Hey, <laughs> bloody hell. I was expecting this to be big, but mate, we've gone, we've gone right in there. Good. Um, all right, maybe I'll chuck in something else here, which is uh, let's unpack the uh, uh, always ask for more a little bit more. Uh, you know, you've spoken a bit about that in, in other talks where you talk about ask for more creativity, ask for more time, ask for more money. Yeah. Now, I've certainly tried and tested this myself and, and I've increased my capacity to ask for more and be firm, but it's happened with incremental as with anything it takes time it takes it takes experience sure. patience um, and, yeah all of that stuff um, being gentle on yourself it takes that too I, I guess i guess what i see as me being you know going into my mid 30s in between this so, you know i can kick it with the with the with the younger the gen y's the gen x's but then i can also fully kick it with the CEOs and the execs and, and the, uh, the directors and whatnot. And there's that balance of, as we just said, patience or lack of, uh, all that stuff that people talk about, instant gratification. So asking for more also can I don't want it to, to come across as, you know, I deserve this without them putting the work. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what, what, where does your lens of ask for more really come, come into? 
Well, it, you know, th- there's another spread in the book that says it basically says change the world. And the way that change the world is you start small and start now. So, you know, people often, especially when it comes to this ask for more thing and how I say, you know, I ask for more money and I get it or I do, you know, I, I ask for more creativity and I, you know, I get it. I try to like, I try to bring the party, right? Like, Hey, we're going to, we're, you know, I've got a, there's a book party that I'm having this weekend that I'm, you know, I, uh, I talked the, you know, the people who are doing it, I say, Hey, let's do a new print. Hey, let's print a bag that goes with it. Hey, let's, you know, they said, yes, 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 yes. Um, and people say, well, that's okay for you. You're James Victoria. And I'm like, no, you don't understand it. You don't understand years, you know, years ago when I was on at, you know, on university stages a lot at the end, I would have a Q and a, and people would say, you know, how do I get to be like you? And I say, here, here's how it will only take you 15 years. <laughs> people don't understand that. That's the thing. It's like, I don't, I didn't just, I didn't just come out as some, you know, some kind of rude boy. You know, I, I crafted this over the years, learning through failure and learning through patience and trying to be gentle on myself. That's, that's one thing where I fail completely all the time is being gentle on myself. I'm like such a harsh critic. I mean, I think one of the reasons why I'm such a good designer is because I'm, um, I'm so super critical of, of, you know, of my work. I try to let it flow. I try to just like, you know, affect perfection, but you know, it's hard. It's hard for me. Um, but it, yes, it takes time and it takes patience and it takes, you know, being, being kind on yourself and also being kind to the world, you know, and not going out and saying, you know, this is what I'm worth. You know, you should have a sense of what you're worth. Um, but at the same time you need to be, you know, you need to be flexible. We all know that, you know, there's, there are, there are different reasons why you take on a project or a job, um, is either because of money or because of, you know, uh, the, the creativity it, you know, it, it affords you. So you need to take that into, into, into effect also. Why are you doing it? And, and I guess knowing where you are in, on the journey, like, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer mm-hmm. in taking. Yeah, take knowing and... where you are and um, and always, you know, keeping your eyes on the prize, as they say. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I believe so immensely within my bones to to take side steps. You know, you, you've got to take side steps before you take forward steps. Often, a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. And yeah, that's learning to accept, learning to accept yeah. less and learning to, you know, learning to, you know, accept, um, you know, seeing, seeing success. Well, I forget who says this, uh, seeing success and failure as the imposters they are. <laughs> right. That's good. That's a good one. There is, you know, there is no, there is no, there is no failure. There's, you know, there's only learning, you know, it's like, it's like it says in the book, you know, you have no friends, you have no enemies, you only have teachers. And if you can wrap your head around that, you're golden. We'll let that sink in. <laughs> it's a, it's a good one. I really yeah, I, I love that framing. So, mate, a question I ask all my guests: if you could travel back in time for thirty seconds mm. and speak to mm. Junior James, perhaps the mm. youngster finishing high school, what would you tell him? Ooh, you know, <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that one um, brings tears to my eyes. It really does. Um, I would tell him to relax. I would say, listen, kiddo, you're, you're, you're doing fine. Don't, don't sweat it. Don't, you know, don't agonize, you know, don't let the frustration get you and just, you know, relax and you, you will get, you will get where you want, it's, you know, maybe not where you think it'll be, but you'll get there. You just sort of gave a peek into that earlier, just a few minutes ago about being gentle to yourself yeah. being, being yeah. kinder to yourself yeah. so so often we're so hard on ourselves aren't we mm-hmm. well i think i think that that's from my perspective i think that's a that's a it's not it's probably not uniquely creative but i think a lot of creative people are basically super competitive you know and and i it was when i was teaching at university i used to always joke with my students i said listen i don't know if graphic design you know um um attracts low self-esteem or creates low self-esteem <laughs> but get but get over it <laughs> so who who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life that person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential 
you know, there there are a number of influences in my life, and a lot of them are are you know old dead authors. Um, but one of one of my one of my favorites, and one person who I keep going back to is um, is Rumi, the uh, uh, Persian poet from 900 years ago. Uh, I know you haven't had him on your show. You probably should try to figure out how to get him, get him on your show. He'd be brilliant. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I dip into his poetry often, and it always, it always, it always soothes soothes the beast, you know. It always calms me down, and uh, and also gives me, you know, you know, bigger ideas. Oh, mate, wasn't that a beautiful quote? On uh, forgot the name of the movie. I watched it on a plane not too long ago with Oprah, and it's this fully fantastical, imaginative world. Oh, I haven't seen that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there was a quote from Rumi in it, which is something along the lines of uh, the cracks are where the light enters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it, that's the pain and the frustration. And, you know, what most people do is they, they, they run away from that. They run away from that instead of facing it. And, you know, in, in my book, I... Uh, um, I guess I kind of come at it the other way because in my book, I talk about run from comfort. Because comfort will destroy you creatively. Your 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 search for comfort and security will not yield the fruit that you are looking for. But if you can if you can if you can face the pain, and the frustration, and then you know and and come back stronger and unmoved, uh, you know, uh, you you you're able to become bigger than yourself every day. Run from comfort, mate. That's that's good, uh, mate. So, what's next for you? with everything you're involved in for the rest of the year and beyond. Oi. Oi, I have so many things I'm involved in. Uh one thing, uh Ram is uh, we're about to sign a contract for another book. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, going back into that beast. Yeah, I figured there's a, there's there's a venue, there's a there's a uh, a valley of fact perfection that should be explored further. So I'm going to do that in 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 another book. And, um, and, and right now is, again, I'm just, I'm just constantly trying to figure out how to get, how to get, how to get paid for my creativity. You know, I've got, uh, I've got a number of people who rely on me for their, you know, their existence and they need me, um, creative and, uh, productive and happy. And I've just, you know, I'm just constantly trying to figure out how to be that. Well, firstly, congratulations on diving into that, uh, you know, this you've seemed to have so much more to give. So I'm so happy to hear that. Can't wait for that to unfold. Um, so congrats. And Thank second, you. secondly, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what is the the bread and butter for you in terms of income streams? Um, I think it's just so valuable for people to know who look up to you and who want to make something of themselves, a creative life, like yourself. So I've been in, um, living in um, rural Texas for the last three years, and people say, "Well, you know, I was in I was in the hub of creativity. I was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, for you know a, a dozen years before that." And people say, "You know, well, why the move?" And I said, "Listen, it wasn't a career move. <laughs> it was I moved because of love and because of family. My wife is." from, you know, from around here and the in-laws are here. So we have, you know, babysitters and they love, love, love spending time with the kids. So for me, it's really kind of forced me to figure that out. And, um, the revenue, um, the income thing has changed since being here, but what I'm getting paid for most right now is for, um, is for, uh, speaking, um, and, uh, teaching, trying to figure out how to be a teacher. And, you know, it's funny cause when I was a kid, I used to do these, uh, those, uh, Myers Briggs kind of tests, all of those aptitude tests all the time. And I hated them because every time I did it, I would be like, you know, it'd be like rolling dice and I'm like, come on fighter pilot. And it would all come, it always come up teacher. And it oh, bugged wow. the hell out of me because I couldn't figure out teacher. It, wow. To teacher meant me standing in front of, you know, a group of, uh, you know, 19-year-old shitheads and, you know, getting underpaid. Um, so now I figured it out. <laughs> I figured out, you know, how to teach the things that I love and how to teach things that people really need. Um, so through, through teaching and through um, workshops um, and, you know, sharing, sharing these ideas is, is where my income stream is, which I think is fascinating. 
um, coming from, you know, being a traditionally a, a visual artist. And then I also have the work that, that, that gives my words, um, some kind of purpose. Well, mate, I'm so glad you're teaching because if, if I had you as my teacher, I'd turn up every day. Right. Um, I mean, I'm trying to be the guy who I needed, the one who lights a fire under your ass. Right. Exactly. And, and look, you, you know, whether it was a shock to you, uh, then or still a shock to you now, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming not, but you, you certainly have a gift, um, for educating us in a way that is bold, but honestly, somewhat still gentle. Like I don't feel too shaken up, like shaken up just enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like a, I'm like a stern, funny dad. (laughs) Spot on. So James, mate, how can listeners get in touch with you online? There is, first of all, there's just jamesvictory.com that, that kind of houses everything. It's a bit of a laundry list, but I like it. Um, and any, you know, all of our, all of our, all of our workshops and teaching programs are listed on there. Um, and, and then, uh, Feck Perfection, the book has its own.com, feckperfection.com. And then through Instagram, Instagram is where I play. Instagram is where I practice and put up new ideas and, uh, uh, do a little bit of uh, writing. It's perfect for me because it's words and pictures. Um, and, you know, we try to keep the cute children pictures down to a minimum. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's how uh, we've we've conversed through there um, as well as um, all the other places you mentioned. And I'll link all of this up uh, so they can get in touch with you because I, I'm sure they would love to continue the dialogue with you. Um, you've been so very helpful, so very insightful. You've You've opened up many many cans of worms for the better for us to face our own demons. So thank you, James, for your time. I truly, truly appreciate it. Hey, it's it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you. It really has. Thank you for tuning in, Giants. I hope James has given you plenty of fuel and fire to propel you into the spaces and places you need it most. Please share this episode with a friend or a loved one if you think it'd benefit them. Since 2015, this is what drives my personal mission for the podcast. I try to interview the world's best experts for all of us to learn from. As you all know, I'm a massive advocate for designing better designers. The more designers we have, the more problem solvers we have too. You can forward giantthinkers.com to anyone and it'll take them right to it. Also, the Giant Thinkers podcast is available on Spotify. So if that's more convenient for you to listen to uh, on top of iTunes, every single episode appears on Spotify as well. Now, a quick teaser for our next guest. She's the founder and creative director of the Swedish stationery brand Kiki K, which has over 100 stores stocked in another 250 and sells online to over 147 countries. As author of Your Dream Life Starts Here, it's her mission to encourage other creatives to create and follow their own dreams as she's experienced the powers of dreaming then doing. This is a hugely inspiring interview, so do stay tuned. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me is on Instagram. Please send me a DM, even to say hello via my handle, the Giant Thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I loved from James, who said, the way to change the world is to start small and to start now. 